Well, welcome, folks, to the biggest night in sports. It's Tuesday night, 9 o'clock, which means I'm going to drop my phone at some point. Raj is going to make a cocktail, and Robbie's more prepared than either one of us. That means it's time for 3R Sports. How does it feel to be the most prepared of all three of us, Robbie? Well, unfortunately, it feels habitual. I feel like I, every week I'm on here first. I am waiting on you guys and be like, wait, did I mess up the time? Surely someone else is more prepared than me. Um, so, yeah, habitual would be my word. Habitual is a good word. Uh, it's a word that I think I would use to describe us since I neither made my notes or sent them to myself. So I'm flying by the seat of my pants. So, Raj, how are you tonight? Another weekend, another disappointment. Uh, we went down to the lovely Truist Park for all three games of the Dodgers series. And, uh, yeah, it was a pretty sucky series overall, but I think we're going to get into that later. But congratulations to the Braves who outpitched us and outplayed us. Uh, things I didn't think would be possible for me to say, but... Fortunately, it's June, but big ups to the Atlanta Braves. They, uh, they showed a lot of spunk, no pun intended. Uh, Robbie, uh, did you get to see any of the games? Um, unfortunately, I did not. I, actually, I saw one. Uh, I think it was on national TV. Um, I've got YouTube TV, and they've got a dispute with Fox Sports South, and so – I don't get any of the games. I uh, haven't gotten into the going back to a sports bar yet to sit there and drink for a couple of hours yet. I'm hoping I will get over that soon um, and be able to get back to doing that. Uh, I'm going to restaurants, but I haven't I haven't been able to just sit there at the bar yet. So I did. I saw some of them, but uh, didn't catch a whole lot of it. Well, I, I think I'm making a big step Friday night. I'm going to go watch Hunter Green, the Reds' second-ranked prospect pick, plus hundred mile an hour fastball. Yeah. And if you don't want to go, if you don't want to watch him, the number two prospect in the Reds organization, you can go Saturday night and see Nick Ladula. He's the number one prospect in the Reds organization. So Friday night and Saturday night, back to back, you can see. Two inside top twenty-five major league prospects here locally in town. I would it, thought I'd go ahead, Robbie. I was saying if I, if I don't go to the Hawks game on Friday, um, I'll, I'll come to those games also. I, I want uh, I've seen I've seen the highlights and I've I just haven't been able to catch them. So yeah, I, I want to see them both pitch. I will definitely be there uh, Friday night. I have to work Saturday, and just according to my work schedule, Saturday I may try to catch the second game, but. I, Friday night, I'm a fastball guy, and when you're talking about somebody the other night that set a a professional record by throwing 37 pitches plus 100 miles an hour in a game, I got to see it for myself. So, uh, one more thing before we get into the show, and this is not on our agenda, of course. Big win by the Vols to get to the Super Regional. Somewhere else I'd like to be this weekend. Tennessee now plays LSU. The winner goes to the College World Series in the All-SEC matchup, Robbie. 
Oh man, that the balls game Friday, that walk off grand slam was awesome. It was I was I was sitting there watching it and Allison was doing some stuff and it was a jump off the couch. Holy crap, like um just a that, that guy's only five eight too, like a small little yeah. guy. And just crushed it. As soon as he knew it, as soon as he hit, they were gone. I'll say this: this Vols team, uh, they are cocky, and they they have some attitude with them. Absolutely, and it wasn't exactly the toughest super regional though. Big up to that. I saw that they showed it on Sports Center throughout. Um, I thought they'd walk in. Uh, actually, it was regionals into the super regionals. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they were as high as third in the country. They obviously have the talent, you know, to win it all. But um, to be honest, they didn't play well in those uh, those three games or two games, whatever they were. Uh, that being said, who cares? That was awesome. Uh, it was out getting right state, and then they managed to beat Liberty twice. So I know it's baseball. Teams like Dallas Baptist, you are uh, are great teams, so you can't go by name recognition, but. Uh, I don't want to take away from that special moment because it was definitely special. So well, there. Coach Tony V said that Wright State was the best four seed in the tournament. And I know that's what you're supposed to say. <laughs> but watching Wright State versus Duke and Liberty and the rest of the regional, I really thought Wright State was the second best team in that regional. But losing to Tennessee the way they did on Friday night, it kind of stowed a little bit of the thunder. But, again, LSU was uh, not even a seed, went to Oregon and beat Oregon twice in elimination games. So uh, that should be fun, man. A lot of sports going on. Uh, NBA playoffs, which we'll get into here in a minute. But, you know, in the South where we live off of college football, if you're a fan of sports, there's a lot more out there than college football. I'm, I'm super excited for the NBA playoff. I'm super excited for college baseball, so let's get started there. And I just said everything's exciting, but we're going to talk about football right off the bat. Over the week, the much who trade came off. After talk of it being the Raiders, the, the, this team, that team, it all came back to the Titans. And the Titans send a second and a fourth to Atlanta, for a cash-strapped Falcons team. They give up one of the franchise premier players, one of the faces of the franchise, and Julio Jones. At oh, the seventh, and a sixth-round pick. Along with and a sixth-round pick. At the 7 o'clock hour, we talked about what Julio has left on his tread. And we'll skip that for right now, and let's just get into impact. Robbie, you're a Titans fan. You've been very vocal that you think this makes the Titans a lot closer to a Super Bowl. What is your expectations for Julio Jones? Um, I think he's going to come in and be the number two, maybe 1A receiver. And I think this is going to put so much pressure on defenses. What do you do and what do you give up? And are you, is it now and make Tannehill throw the ball down the field and you still stack the defense? I mean, it's pick your poison. Well, I was looking at some stats. So the Titans were the best 
first down team last year as far as yards gained on first down. Well, and that was with a 80% chance they were running with Henry. Uh, this opens that up to more play action, to more pressure, or to Henry having more space. I think, well, one, and good God, a two and a four, yes, that do that deal every day of the week. Because, I mean, the Titans' window is Derrick Henry. So it's probably two to three years anyways, and then it's a total rebuild. So go for it. See what you can do. Now, the Super Bowl chances, it's still case. I mean, it's still Patrick Mahomes is still there. Um, do I think the Titans have – they're the way they're built – to keep the ball off of or out of Mahomes' hands and, and control the clock and Vrabel style of playing the game, I, I think they've got a good chance as any. I mean, obviously, Buffalo's still there, still at Baltimore, Cleveland's upcoming. I think the AFC South is way more winnable than I've heard some other people think. I don't buy the Indy high necessarily. Indy's solid. I'm not sure Carson Wentz is that much of an upgrade over uh, Phillip Rivers, even though Phillip Rivers on the back of his career. I'm just not a huge Wentz guy. Um, so for what they gave up, yes, go for it. I'm happy. I can tell you all my friends are, that are Titans fans are excited. The one thing uh, I will – just a funny little thing. I was texting with a buddy. I was like, you know, they were still like, well, what – what are they going to do on defense? I was like, well, with an offense like that, who needs defense? And he said, ask the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, please so, do. Yeah. Please do. Well, uh, you know, and the Titans were able to address the defense with Bud Dupree and in the draft. Bud mm-hmm. Dupree was an impact defensive player. Don't sleep on Danico Autry, former writer who went to Dallas and crushed it. That was a great signing. Uh, you know, he's had uh, 20 sacks in his last three years. Uh, just a player who can do both. Uh, you know, Harold Landry as well. Um, I like him. Uh, not a great, great player, but I mean, you got Bud Dupree. Janoris Jenkins is definitely on the downside of his career, but they improved their defense, which granted was hard to make it worse, but they improved their defense. And uh, they also don't play in a wide open NFC South with teams that are going to spread them out and stuff. It's more bang them up football. So you know, hopefully they can stop more teams and it won't be. 47 to 44, like every Falcons game last year. Um, I I could not believe they got what they got. Um, they got Julio for that. Uh, well, granted, it, go ahead, the, sorry. The, uh, we, we, we threw in the six-round pick, but for the Falcons, it wasn't about the pick. It was about the Titans picking up $15 million of the contract. Yes. The yeah. Falcons were unable to sign their draft picks up to that point. So no doubt they gave Julio away, Julio away for a, a discounted price. And Tannehill restructured today. Tannehill restructured. Julio was unwilling to restructure. I don't know if y'all heard Julio's press conference, but I, I do think something went wrong with Atlanta and Julio. But back to your point, I do think, uh, Raj, I do think the Titans addressed their defense more than some people think they did. Well, I agree. Entirely. And, you know, I think another great signing was Josh Reynolds, formerly of the Rams. I mean, one thing about Julio is everybody was shading his way. He was the only big receiver on that team. I mean, huge receiver. You know, strong safety. You know, outside linebacker, they were all basically on his side. Uh, he would take a lot of hits from a lot of dudes. 
Uh, now he doesn't have to. AJ Brown's basically a clone physically, uh, not quite as fast and everything else. And uh, but you know he he missed seven games last year. But I think a lot of pressure physically, especially with Derrick Henry, and then Josh Reynolds in the slot. You know that's a great crew, uh, good offensive line. Is Tannehill much different than Matt Ryan? Uh, well, At this fun. point, no. Uh, and I've said it all week. Mm-hmm. I think though there'll be less pressure on him, and I hope he can stay healthy. Robert, and we do play Jacksonville twice, so if Julio needs to sit out a couple of games. <laughs> Robbie, does does, does Julio need to play 65% of his snaps? Does he need to play 75% of the snaps? Or is he – is in Tennessee, is it a situation where we'll see Julio playing a little more second and third down, and then you might see Reynolds and Brown on the field on first down? Can they take – also, I made the point, and I was going to ask you both about this. In the NFC South, you play nine games guaranteed on turf. In the AFC South, you're going to play four games a year on turf. Does that, with Julio's traditional turf toe, hamstring, mm-hmm. yeah. Achilles, does that help Julio also, Robbie? Yes, I think playing on natural services or as natural as you can get really helps. And also, let's don't let's don't forget that Houston may be awful, and Jacksonville may be awful. And Houston so, is going to be awful. Yeah, I mean, and so he's. I mean, that's a winnable division. I mean, you split with Indy or sweep Indy. You should. I mean. I th- they're a playoff team, and then it's just being healthy at the right time. The Titans are most equipped to win on the road because of Derrick Henry, assuming health. They can pound the ball. They can wear teams down, almost unlike any other team in the NFL. Um, and so, I, yeah, I mean, I think Julio's got to be healthy, but I think the long-term health is more important than how many snaps he plays or what he looks like um, playing every day. I, I personally think – He's changed his number. Uh, A.J. Brown offered to give him 11. He said, no, I'm changing my number. He's wearing number two. I think he's reinventing himself. It's going to be uh, Julio for these next two years. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. And actually, y'all are making me feel better about the defense. So I'm uh, I'm not, I'm not going to spoil my bet your nuts pick, but it may be bold. Yeah, I mean, such a team player, the city that supported him for 10 years. Hey, I'm out of here. Yeah. It's like come out of here, defense over the team, no leverage. Well, I remember that part too. The the story of Julio and Dan Quinn, they both were. Uh, Dan Quinn was very popular in Julio's eyes. Uh, so, and and today in his press conference leaving, he he mentioned nothing about the current staff. He mentioned nothing about Arthur Blank. The the situation soured with Julio in Atlanta. But my question is more of, I was with a Falcon fan in the seven o'clock hour. Two, three years from now, this blows over. Is Julio back in Atlanta in street clothes? And are they putting his number up next to Roddy White and Deion Sanders? And is that where he deserves in Atlanta history? Robbie, I'll start start with you. From... Atlanta's perspective, yes. I think they retire his jersey. I think he, while he didn't win a Super Bowl, they came close. They had so many good years. 
and it made Atlanta football relevant again and, and fun again. The Julio factor, so it came out today or yesterday that he didn't know he was on TV with that Shannon Sharp um, phone call. And so whether, whatever side you believe, um, it, it seems like they, with him, they rubbed him the wrong way. I could see it being um, not necessarily, you know, like a Bob Knight in Indiana, but I don't know how, I don't, I don't know anything about Julio, how petty he is, if at all. Um, but it sure seems like he wanted out and, uh, how long did it take Brett Favre to go back to Green Bay? And you're seeing that with Aaron Rodgers as well. These people, the NFL contracts and even the stars, they're not treated great like NBA stars are. And so you can you can develop some pettiness, I would imagine. Uh, and I want to ask one other question. If you're, and, and this is this is kind of my setup. By the way, Brandon Chain, where's Aaron Burt? Our number one and two fans have not showed up. We see Brandon looking for Aaron Burt. I'll try to find out. I, I'm going to ask y'all a trivia question, and 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 I'm not by far. I, I've got a Falcons helmet on or a hat on, and and I bleed Atlanta Falcons. Who will have the most receiving yards next year? Ridley, Gage, Pitts, or Jones, Browns, Fisker. If you were selecting a fantasy team and you had to pick one group wide receivers, who do you take? I take Brown and Ridley, and then Pitts if you want to tie in. Uh, Brown's coming off a two thousand yard season. He's only going to get better. Ridley's going to be the focus, but now let's see how he handles it. It's a lot easier when you got Julio on the outside. Although Julio did miss seven games last year. And it's obviously a tight end-oriented offense, and Pitts seems like he can play 20 positions. So those would be my three guys. Julio, uh, I couldn't quite, at least not an early pick, um, my thoughts. Robbie, Julio is listed as the number wide receiver 13. Kelvin Ridley's listed as wide receiver 6. A.J. Brown is listed as wide receiver 7. Russell Gage had more yards than Julio last year, is listed as wide receiver 64. If you're a fantasy drafter, is Russell Gage quietly one of the guys you put in the back of your head and go, hey, I'm taking him in the eighth round or so? Did my agent not put, I'm not giving any free fantasy advice out? <laughs> Did that not happen? No. Uh, uh, you know, I think Julio is going to be fascinating because on paper, I think he has a big year, but does that make Derrick Henry have a huge year? And so it's going to be, I wonder how that's going to be an interesting preseason get things to watch for me is in those first few plays of the preseason, how are teams going to line up? And, and is it just, is it all vanilla? Are they going to try to, to do some strategy and kind of see what happens? Um, I think I think overall the Falcons are going to throw a lot more, and so I think Ridley uh, would be a, a, a strong pick, and I think Pitts is going to open him up some. I really liked Ridley when Julio was there, so Julio's kind of shifting around where all these other receivers are going to be. 
Um, and then I think Julio may get elevated because Brown's going to be the number one target for the for the Titans. But it's going to be fascinating to watch how it all unfolds. And uh, hopefully I don't have to make the wide receiver call. Uh, I want the number three pick this year. Well, I, I'll say I think I think Gage is the fantasy beneficiary. I, I really – I know Atlanta traded Julio, and by no means do I think Gage replaces Julio, but Gage had 103 targets last year and quietly really had a nice year for Atlanta. 72 catches, 800 yards. I don't know that Pitts come in and, – and it's hard for a rookie tight end to come in and make impact. I think Gage in that third year is set up to make impact. But before New offer that too, in a two tight end set, you still have Hayden Hurst, another downfield threat who can block. And you know, even though those, those receivers are kind of smallish, uh, they also drafted Frank Darby, who went late in the sixth. But he was a guy that showed dominance at times um, against decent DBs in the Pac-12, whatever you guys may say. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're still going to be a deadly offense. It's really coming for the Falcons. It's how is Mike Davis the guy we saw last year in Carolina or not? Robbie, you get last words. You were trying to throw something out there. Oh, I was going to say. I mean, the 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 wild card for all the people we just mentioned are new for the Falcons. New coach, new offensive coordinator. I don't know if Arthur Smith is going to call the plays or if he's hired an offensive coordinator. Titans, even though it's in house, promoted. I mean, those are still wild cards about how the offenses are going to look compared to last year. As Obviously, as... Atlanta didn't work, so uh, it, I don't know if Arthur Smith's going to bring the same system or if he's going to change some stuff up. I, I will go back to Arthur Smith's intro press conference and where he said, I'd love to have 22 with me, but I don't, so I've got to change it up. Yeah. So, obviously does. So moving on from the world of the NFL to college football. This week, Nick Saban signed an extension through year 2025, I believe it was. No, no. The, through the 2028 season, it expires in February of 29. Okay. But he has a completion benefit through 2025, meaning that if he finishes the season with the team, he gets another uh, bonus, so to speak. So really, you're right. It's through – uh, 2025, we'll see after that, because he's already turning 70 in October. So 2028 makes him 77. 2025 also covers him through this recruiting cycle. How long do you think Nick Saban truly coaches? Raj, we'll start with you on that one. I mean, the is probably the best thing ever for Saban. He's old. You know, that guy shows up on your computer screen and his Zoom. You know, he has an aura about himself, a stigma. He's an icon. And people always wonder how much, you know, they have a staff of like 800 in terms of like from video on through scouting and recruiting. And, and you know, I don't know how much Nick Saban does. Uh, he could be the Queen of England for all I know, but whatever he is, he's worshipped by a lot of people, including new recruits. Um, so, I mean, at the current pace, it doesn't seem like he's that stressed or does too much. Uh, you, you know, I think he knows a good ruler knows how to delegate authority uh whatever his formula is it works and i haven't seen any reason to think that it can stop working anytime soon despite him being 70. robbie yeah so whenever 
I saw this contract extension. Um, besides for just frustration, um, I thought, okay, well, he's kind of what you guys thought. He's seventy. How long is he gonna, you know, really work and all that? And then um, I was in our uh, main office today with my dad, who's eighty-two and still goes to work every day. And that's that generation of you just work, you just work, you just work. And I mean, my dad's never going to retire. He he'll, he he will die at the office. And so that got me thinking. Okay, well, what is the stopping point? It's not money. It's not anything. It. I think it's, and I think well, Raj is onto something. He doesn't seem stressed. He doesn't lose that much, and that's what he hates. And so until he starts losing maybe three, two or three games a year, then I think he says, all right, this isn't up to my standard. I don't think it's going to be age. I think it's going to be up to his standard where he doesn't think he's getting it done enough. Now, what that is, because uh, obviously passing Bear Bryant wasn't the goal. You know, he could have went out on top. He, you know, the number one recruiting class again. Uh, who knows what I, I mean, it's – it's a juggernaut. And I mean, yeah, like they love him. He, if he wanted to do something different, he could run for the governor of Alabama and probably win 80% of the vote. I mean, like there's, he's just beloved there and you're getting paid $10 million a year, whatever it is to live in Tuscaloosa. Good God. You can't, I mean, he probably eats for free drinks, free, free car. You can't spend that money. You literally can't. And so it's just going to be about, if they start losing, um, they get to play Tennessee out of the East every year, so that's a win for the, for the rest of his contract. Uh, but no, what it really led me to believe is we're going to have the balls are going to have a new coach here in three years. Okay, moving on. <laughs> One thing that did happen to him this year with the losing of Butch Jones, he does have to get his own coffee now. So that's <laughs> that's that, critical. That that's critical. Hey. Now, so do you think? Um, let's talk about. Let's talk about this from another perspective. Is is Nick Saban already in the list of greatest coaches to ever live? We all agree with that. Is there something for him to prove? That would be the question is what is, is there something out there that he still wants to put together or is it just a year to year challenge? Because for me watching him, I think he enjoys the, he talks about the process. I think he enjoys watching a team come together from May to December more than any coach that I've ever heard talk about. Are they are they something more he can do in coaching, Robbie? Or is it just every year he, he enjoys it that much? Well, so the one thing that I could see motivating him still is he sees a 51-year-old Davo Sweeney sitting there with two titles and seemingly an easy ride to the playoffs every year. Yeah. He at one point, you know, winning seven championships with passing Bear Bryant was hard to believe. Does he want to set his number up so high 
that he can retire thinking nobody can get to him. And so if he's got seven more years, seven more seasons, including this one, he's going at a pace of about 48%. So if he hits that, and that that's three more in these seven years, that's 10. Does Dabo squeeze in one? So does he want to set that mark up so high to where he's the John Wooden of whoever comes behind him? I don't know how you can dominate an era more than what he's done already, but does he want to be that where just after me start talking about who's second? Good point. And that's the first time I've heard the Wooden comparison, but it really does become Gino, Emma, Gino, Wooden, and Saban at this point. And it's probably appropriate because John Wooden had a well-known booster, Sam Gilbert, back in the 70s. And you see, like, a lot of those players. So it's probably a Still better. Comparison. Uh, ne- never, never a lack of hatred for the Bruins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. those guys. Um, another thing, though, about Saban, I think Robbie was onto something, is against Davo, isn't he 1-2 all time? It really should be 0-3. Like, it was a last-second play that, that won him. You, you know, I don't think he forgets that. I think Robbie's right. Um, I think he's a much better coach, and he's going to be a much bigger legend than Dabo will ever be. But I'm sure it pisses him off to some extent. And, you know, Clemson is going to have that road. So it's kind of cool. You kind of have a, you know, like a 60% chance you're going to be able to face this guy again next year on the biggest stage. Why give that up? Good point. And last subject, and we'll get later on in this, we'll talk about expanded playoffs. But – is there any chance Dabo could end up at Alabama somewhere in his career? Being an Alabama graduate, could that play into it, Robbie? I, uh, I mean, Clemson has as much money. Um, it's easier job secure. Why? I mean, is is much? There will never ever be as much pressure at Clemson than there is at Alabama ever, and. No, I, I just, I just, you know, I'm, a, I'm a big believer of don't be happier than happy, or don't try to be happier than happy. Why would you leave Clemson and all they've, they've got so many built-in benefits um, versus the ACC? I mean, even Florida State, and Miami are your two biggest problems, and Florida State's they were good under Bowden and one year with Fisher, and then they've kind of fallen off. Miami's. Uh, train wreck for more, you know, they have their windows, but for more often than not, they're, they aren't that good. And so Clemson's in the AC championship every year for the next 10 years, probably without changing much. Let's say somebody from England was to follow John Lennon in the Beatles. I mean, who gives a shit where he's from? Excuse my language. Um, you know, he's got nothing to gain by going to Alabama and much to lose. Um, you know, even if he, it's a near impossible standard to live up to. And let's say he wins 20 in a row and then they say been obsolete, the beloved Nick Saban obsolete. Um, like Robbie says, Clemson, there's no pressure. We, we forgot they had a team aside from one year in 1980 up until recently. Um, yeah. You know, they seem to, I mean, they're an excellent program, no doubt. But if I'm Dabo, I don't leave. He's already a god there. I mean, why, why go to Alabama? And plus, I'll take South Carolina over Tuscaloosa all day. Yeah. 
By the way, that's two and two between I looked it up I since 16. So. 16. Okay. Randall, Aaron, Aaron is watching. He's just watching on YouTube and not Facebook. So oh, you know. have a winning record. Still still the number one fan. That's right. But yeah, I'm gonna be Rogers, still not a winning record. Yeah. Probably the only person he doesn't have doesn't have a winning record besides like a one off, you know. Uh who's the coach at Liberty? Hugh Freeze. Hugh uh, Freeze has a I think he's three and two versus uh, Nick Saban, he had the run where he won two or three of something. But Tennessee still wouldn't hire him. Uh, nope. So moving on from college football, but coming back later, let's talk real fast. We always in the middle of the show do something fun. Um, so, Rog, you went to Atlanta this weekend. You saw a great series of baseball. I actually watched a little bit of it myself uh, on the TV, but – Robbie, uh, you're talking about going this weekend, I believe, or to the and game. Yeah, yeah. So, what was it like in Atlanta post pandemic, COVID free tourist park? Apparently, there is no pandemic. Uh, <laughs> the masks that I saw that we saw were, I'd say, maybe 15 total out of 40,000 people. I was shocked by it. I think the vaccination rate in Georgia is somewhere around 32, 33%. So I know I think a lot of people are going home with sore throats and they just chalk it up to that and rolling the dice from there on out. Because uh, I was very surprised by that. And it was, it was just like, you know, any other season. And uh, the, the governor there, he's, he's said like, you can't man, like the, like the Braves can't mandate masks. Right. Right. Never understand the moron in the highest yeah. regard. Those yes. are our neighbors. Robbie, are you ready to step out into the world without masks? Because I think Neyland Stadium is going to be pretty mask-free come September. Yeah. Um, you know, I I guess, I guess a short little, you know, vaccine status. Like, I mean, I guess I got it. i trusting it so um i i th hope that i'm safe uh and i wish people that weren't vaccinated would just keep wearing their masks for their safety um i think it's one of those things we've those of us who's gotten it then we got to trust it that's why we got it and um am i ready no um will i be by then maybe it's gonna be nerve-wracking i guess it'll take some time to to settle in i guess that's what the booze is for to help with that but yeah it you know i think it's just gonna be more of a judgmental call on hey like you know it is now like i wonder if they have the vaccine i wonder if they don't and are they gonna be safe or not but no i'm not ready but i am looking forward to it if that makes sense um it's inevitable that we're gonna have to get back to it so um, it'll be weird, but it's time. And, and for me, it's not as much as sports, but I'm going to a concert and you know, I'm going to a concert next month and it's a, it's a metal show and it's going to be very rambunctious. And, and I promise you, they won't be a mask in the building for that. Mm -hmm. Probably a mosh pit. And that's kind of my point where I said, if I can do this, I can go to a football game. 
But no. I, I have been to the lookouts. I have I have been to a concert. Um, they had like a little pod section out. And actually, I wish they would keep that. I like that. Like, stay. Let me let me get out of my way. Let me just sit here and enjoy it. Well, this is a non-pod, so yeah. I think uh, it'll be wide open. But I did notice this weekend, um, Rod. The Braves are kind of in a in a in a little bit of disarray. Lost Soroka for the year, of course. Azuna, Azuna, we talked about last week, but they managed to put it together a little bit versus the Dodgers. And that Friday night game was pretty much when after it started, I was like, okay. This is about to be a sweep. But it seems like the Braves win when they're not supposed to. It's the MO of the franchise. You know, it's 16 is the number I want to leave you with. Right now, nine. The Dodgers have nine hits tonight against Pittsburgh. They had... That that look on his face that locked up, Robbie. I knew it was coming. That's probably the look on his face the whole series. So another LA sports failure. Yeah, yeah. He's only got like 39 championships, but he'll 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 figure it out and be right back with us. Uh, but while we're talking about this, we'll wait on Rods to rejoin us. Um Robbie, uh as, wait as, have, have the Braves made any kind of ruling on the, the player we talked about last week? The only thing is the court's going to take its process, and that's going to be it. So that sound, uh, what sounds a, what a lame stance to take. We'll let yeah. the legal process play out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, while Rog is rejoining us, um, are you? Um, I find myself, and this is not completely sports related, but I find myself. You made a point a minute ago, almost being judgmental when I'm walking through a crowd. Now, like, okay, I've got my vaccine. I feel good about it. But I still try to wear my mask with my daughter because she's under 12. Mm-hmm. And, of course, not vaccinated. But I I swear when I walk through a crowd, it's like exactly what you said. I hope he, he's got it. Look, that, that old lady, she better have it. And is that the new society when we go to – hey, who's sitting around me? Do they look like they have the vaccines? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, at least for the immediate future. I mean, I was, you know, I was down at the beach not too long ago and just walking the beach, you know, I just noticed that instead of your look, you've been for the last year and four or five months, you've been looking at every stranger as a level of threat to you. And so you can't just flip that off. Like, Hey, you don't have a mask on, so I am a little worried. And then um, now, now everyone's you know going around without a mask, which you know I get, I get the uh, hesitation wear because it is an inconvenience. Um, so is a seatbelt and a shirt when you're going around to the grocery store, but you still have to do it. But nonetheless, um, I get why people don't want to breathe on themselves and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I think there is going to be a. a getting over period of, of awkwardness and just like, do I trust you? Do I not trust you? I mean, uh, my, I assumed my, one of my brothers had got the vaccine and we were on the boat over the weekend or Memorial day. 
and we were talking about it and he was like, yeah, I haven't signed up for mine yet. I'm like, what? And he's like, well, he's like, I've had COVID. And I'm like, damn it. You know, you've read the science. Like, stop saying that. That's not, that's not a, a valid reason, but he's going to get it. Box. That's right. And so, uh, but yeah, so it's, it is still kind of that touch and go with everybody. All right, uh, Rods, I'm sorry we lost you. We kind of went back to the COVID thing. Anything you want to bring up to cover the weekend a little more? 16 hits is the last thing we heard. Yeah, the Dodgers had 16 hits for this series. They now have 10 against Pittsburgh tonight. Credit Atlanta pitching. Uh, the bullpen, obviously, in the first game gave them eight walks, but you know the Dodgers gave up five. It just so happened that one of the hits was after the bases loaded by Chris Taylor and it cleared the bases. Um, it was one of the worst series as a Dodger fan, the most frustrating. Uh, I can count the number of rallies they put together. And, you know, I don't want to make excuses like Randall did for the Braves because the Dodgers have way more injuries than the Braves do. Uh, two starting pitchers, three MVP candidates, including Mac Muncy, who got hurt Friday night against you know, trying to run out a double play. Uh, Seager, Bellinger, Betts has been dinged up. But, okay, I just did that. Anyways, it's not excuses. You know, the Dodgers have been inconsistent all year. They went 13 and 2, then 5 and 15, then 13 and 2 again, and lately they've lost uh, 6 of 9. So they just can't stay consistent. And I don't know if it's a, you know, last season and the run and a short off season. I don't know. Thank God they have depth, but. I'm seeing dudes that I did not expect to see at this level uh, this soon. Uh, but again, Max Fried was outstanding on uh, on Sunday. Uh, Chris Martin was amazing throughout the series. Even the dude with the mullet, Minter, was was strong. Um, it was really only one night in, in Anderson that, you know, the Braves, and, and I wouldn't even say the Dodgers outplayed them. The Braves just kind of gave them that game, and then they beat them the next two. And, uh, it, it was a very frustrating series because I look forward to that every year. I go down every year, uh, save for last year, and that was the worst Dodger performance I've seen from probably, on paper, the best Dodger team. But props to the Braves. They definitely earned it. Respect. And, I, you know, back of the lineup did a lot of damage, especially a kid I call Panda Jr., that Abraham Almonte kid. That kid, I mean, he's huge, number one. He was mashing the ball. Uh, he made a huge play with the bases loaded, tracking down a ball. Um, you know, I don't know his background or scouting report or what he's done in the minors. Man, he looked like a major league player in that series. I was really impressed with him. He's been a guy that's bounced around a lot, basically, and mm. he finally, finally hanging off Atlanta. So I, I appreciate that, man. We love. We love, uh, and I'll be honest with you, I was shocked by it. I do think the Braves season is headed in the other direction. But, uh, you know, we'll see. Braves will play it out. Always a deal to be made. We had but, a lot of Dodger fans there, too. Saturday night was a Pantone 294, a big Dodger club. They traveled from L.A. There was a more let's go Dodgers and let's go Braves. And I think because Braves is single syllable, that's dumb. But – I mean, there were so many Dodger fans that weekend, and we could not put anything together. That's how good the Braves were. And Brandon Chain, I am getting back to normal. It's just taking everyone a little bit of different time. <laughs> Calm down with your calm. I'll be there. Can, uh, can, they, can people see our chat? Or if you chat, can they see us or just us? 
Uh, uh, your, yours was private. I oh, saw okay. it. I saw it, but not, not him. So before we move on to the last one, uh, anything else about Atlanta? Um, I just looked at they're in second place. Dodgers are in third in their respective divisions. Slight um, difference between the record, but I'll tell you, half of my bet you're nuts on is the Braves minus one and a half or plus one and a half tonight. I think they, they're going to start to roll. Everybody's leaking it. I'll just go ahead and throw it out. The Brooklyn Nets. Maybe my bet you're nuts, but we'll get there. So let's move on real fast to uh, NASCAR, and it's not a subject we cover a lot. I am a huge Chase Elliott fan. I'll be right back. Uh, yeah, 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 go get your drink. I had to Google who Kyle Larson was. I thought it was uh, the golf over the weekend, but apparently he's a race car driver. So I'll he is. That was, he that is. was my bet your nuts pick, Rod. If you would have bet on it, you would have won money. I mean. But, but oh, yeah, you're right. Holy cow. <laughs> you, you might want to stay with it because there's going there's to be a social issue come here in just a second. Wow. Kyle Larson in offseason, Robbie, said some crazy things and really I thought would put his derailed what was a very promising NASCAR career. Now Kyle Larson's kind of dominating racing along with Chase Elliott and Martin Truex. There's really – and, and hey, Justin Thomas is watching. He's already, I, I'm all over Chase Elliott, but I got you. But now Kyle Larson has kind of rebuilt himself. What was the story with Kyle Larson? And was it swept under the rug? Because it doesn't seem to be as much as of a national story as you would think it would be. Yeah. And, I'll, and for those who don't know, um, so COVID hit, all sports were canceled. Um, NASCAR did a great thing, in my opinion, on um, – am I still on Randall? All I can see is Roger's screen. Randall, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, buddy. I don't know what's going with the screens. Okay. I'll, I'll get you on. Just give a second. Keep talking. Okay. So, yeah, for those who don't know – uh, last year, COVID hit all sports. So, so NASCAR came up. There's just iRacing, I which is essentially a mixture of the highest end video games and racing track. Well, so they started televising that, and you had your NASCAR racers as well as your iRacers compete against each other. And a lot of the times, the iRacers are better i mean essentially like if you have nba players playing you know people play nba live for a career they're gonna be better at the video games but anyways they went back and forth they did some races um especially during that time when there was nothing to watch it was entertaining we had fun even my wife wanted to watch it because it was just something to watch <clears throat> well at one point they cut to Kyle Larson, and he said the N-word on live TV. Oh, that guy. Yep. And so immediately he was uh, dropped from, I believe it was Joe Gibbs Racing at the time. Um, lost all of his – well, okay, hold on. Hold on. But let me – I think this – he was not dropped immediately. The sponsors dropped him. And if you know how NASCAR works – 
the owner owns the car and then the sponsors are what pays the driver. And so the sponsorships came out and then um, I believe it was Joe Gibbs racing was no longer being profitable. So they dropped him from racing. He essentially set out all last year. Couldn't find a car. Couldn't find anything. Hendrick Motorsports. So, I, so and, and he, he did some interviews on uh, Fox Sports with um, can't think of the guy's name at the time, but and he he sincere he, he called him out about the N word about his racist comments, and Kyle Larson sat there and answered it. Um, I don't. There's no, there's no excuse for that, um, and I think it was. I wouldn't say swept on the rug. It wasn't that big of a deal because it was NASCAR and it wasn't a major sport. Um, he set out his year. Um, he's racing now on on Hendrick Motorsports, but if any of you, if anyone watched the race on Sunday, you would know if you've seen NASCAR, you know, there's logos, every inch of the car, the uniform. It's pretty much Kyle Larson, Hendrick Motorsports. They still don't have sponsors, not enough to fund it, but he, uh, it's one of, it, I mean, it's the age old story. I it's not right, but it, 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 time over time again, if you're good enough, you will overcome bad behavior, and that's what he did. Uh, I mean, he, he's he's back at it. He's got a good team owner now, and uh, he won. I think either last week or two weeks ago, and then one he won all three stages this week. He's a stud driver. Um, is he sincere enough? Is the apology sincere enough? I mean, that's for everyone else to decide. You can YouTube it. Um, but you know, that's kind of where we stand and, and that, that's how he's gotten back into NASCAR after a year of essentially being banned, uh, blackballed and he, he's doing well. He's now in, firmly in the playoffs and a contender to win it all. So he was fired from Chip Ganaski race. Ganassi Ganassi, racing. Okay. Then he was rehired this year by Hendrick Motorsports. And yeah, and watching the race and, and, Raj, uh, I would ask you this question, uh, and, and I'll be honest with you: his car is probably the least sponsored car I've ever seen in NASCAR. Yeah. Do you find it unusual, Raj, that there would be this much backlash? And are they? Is that word somehow too easy to use in the containment? Uh, and he's twenty-eight years old. I'm telling you, that word is dramatically, dramatically different. For me, at fifty-five years old, than people that have grown up with it in rap songs, for whatever use. Is I mean, that, is that I'd worse? argue that somebody that's fifty-five years old would hear that a lot more and under different connotations and in everyday life. It, it I don't excuse much, it. I mean, it was I much think it's more disgusting. Disgusting in my generation. That's a good word. I mean, I think it is anytime. I don't think just because somebody's young and potentially ignorant or, or not exposed or you know, just using it because they heard it in rap or because they grew up in a certain region. Um, just don't say it, let alone when you're a, a professional public citizen who's a public figure, rather, who's been on camera and been in TV and has sponsorships that depends on this. Uh, the guy may drive well, but he's a dumbass. And I, I mean, I got no respect for someone like that. And sorry, that was Phoebe the dog in my lap. And she's my NASCAR consultant. And she's a big Joey Logano fan. So she wasn't. <laughs> She hates that dude. So, um, no, I, you know, I, it's tough to say because 
you see those baseball players that made a tweet in high school 21 you know 8 11 12 years ago um and they never deleted it i you know where these kids get that sense of impunity it's almost you know sociopathic in that sense where they can say whatever they want and i uh, think nobody else is seeing it that it's just going to be you know them and and whoever thinks they're great uh you know i'm sure it was a learning lesson i, I don't want to condemn the guy for life but you know i i don't know what he's done since then i hope he's learned his lesson and educated himself and others and you know really it's a, it's a teaching moment in nascar if you know i can't speak on what he did after that but it really could have been a big teaching moment hopefully it was the the uh, the odd thing is i i i want to say i mean he is from california he's from elk grove california i think he's mixed race <coughs> his name uh is kyle miata Larson, so I think he's mixed race, and so it's it, it once he should know better. I mean, ev- okay, back up. Everyone should know better, um, but he should know, you know better and knows the camera's rolling. And I mean, it, it it's one of those stupid tests that he failed, and probably 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 worse than that. But at minimum, a stupid test, and um, he, he's lucky that he's back in it. Uh, and five six one thirty five. That's that's a t- tiny man. Elk he Grove is, is about ten percent, eleven percent African American. It's a dominant white and Asian suburb in the Bay of America. But you're right. You would think in that area, it's a highly educated area. He would know better. And it, it was likely just a case of immaturity. Um, you know, likely listening too much. You know, Dre, Snoop, and Easy E, and Jay Z, and just said it the wrong way. Um, but still, especially I when you're. That I'm prominent with sponsorships. Yeah, his, his mother's Japanese American. Yes. that's what I was uh, going to say. Yeah, his his mother is a mixed race, and his father is a Caucasian. So uh, that does. And last question: uh, Does the fact that he is 25 years old, 26 years old, and does that matter? Is that a grown man? Does he does he have the social skills that he should have to be? in front of the camera at that age um i mean it's it's to me at 55 it still seems young but we we have college athletes that's 18 years old that's thrust into stardom is is that part of it that these athletes are famous at an age before maturity or grace kind of hits them robbie uh well so and so I'm going to use some just some basic kind of assumptions here that I think are fair. Um, you have you can have some white young people that grew up in black locker rooms and some of that some of those those were amongst their friends it could be acceptable and that could be where hey I didn't know like that's how it's okay to talk that way amongst our friends. I like Eminem. Yeah. Uh, you have, but you, in the NASCAR cir- circle, it is predominantly white. And so there is probably nobody that's saying that's okay to say that. And so, no, I mean, he was 26 at the time. No, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm, tw- oh God, I almost slipped, said I was 20 something. I'm 30, <laughs> I'm about to be 37. Um, our, our 
whole life growing up where I mean, it's just do not don't don't get there because there's no reason for it. And it's just not acceptable. And, and you know, yeah, I like what Brandon said. Absolutely. Hey, if you want to get paid this young? You better act like a professional this young. Absolutely. I thought that's Brandon just changed. acting like a human being to me, yeah. an educated, normal human being. I don't make any excuses. I don't give a what when he started racing, which I think was age seven, based on my research, where he's from, which that was surprising. I forgot I had researched that. Uh, the fact that he's, you know, multi ethnicity. California you know, I don't make any excuses. It, it is central California, like central Bay Area. No, I know it's huge in a lot of parts of California. We have Fontana or uh excuse me, Fontana, but that thing but, gets uh, packed. But no, I mean I, I don't make any excuses, especially if you're a public figure. Isn't Jimmy Just, Johnson from El Cajon? Jimmy Johnson's from uh I think El Cajon. Is he from San Diego? I think, I think so. I'm not the biggest NASCAR guy. I just know he's from California. Yeah, a lot of people hated uh, Rob, Robbie. But, not your, no, you're Robbie uh, Gordon. What was his name? Robbie. Uh, Jeff Gordon. The, Jeff Gordon. A lot of people hated Jeff Gordon because of the Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon sort of rivalry back in the day. And, and one being from Florida, I think, and the other being from California. Anyways, I want to read what, this. What great NASCAR talk. Uh yeah, we know we know very little about it. The age, drink. age comes with the territory. You know what you're going to get into. You're a professional athlete. I think that's very appropriate. So, um, Jane, comment of the night. Doesn't matter where you're from, small town. It's just do better. Just be respectful of people. And again, I think that's very, very, very to the point. And Again, I don't make excuses for the age, but they're really, it's, it's amazing seeing the perspective, you guys being in your late 30s, to me being in my 50s, having late grown 30s. up in the uh, early 40s, early 30s, um, me being in my mid-50s growing up in the late 60s, early 70s, being some of my first memories, it really, um, it's shocking sometimes how far we have made it in some areas, so... Let's move on from that real fast, and let's get in. I want to briefly touch on the NBA playoffs. Uh, it's not something we cover a lot of. We're kind of into an area that we – we uh, with NASCAR and the NBA is not my ever area of expertise. But I think we've seen two teams in the East step forward and kind of introduce themselves to the country and the Nets and the Hawks. Do you think the Hawks has a legitimate shot to get by the 76ers, Robbie? They're down 18 right now, by the way. Just wanted to throw that in there. I, I, I kind of knew that. Go ahead, Rob. Um, yeah, so, I mean, a legitimate chance, yeah. I mean, they, they split on the road. That's what you want. Uh, assuming they lose tonight, then, um, yeah, you go home for two games. Uh, Trey Young can get hot. I mean, they've got shooters. They've got talent. And, I mean, Embiid's always a play away from being out. So, <clears throat> I, I think I, I like the way the Hawks are playing. I like Nate McMillan as the head coach. Um, I was – I think I said this before. I was wrong about Trey Young. I thought he'd be a bust. Um, but he, he is impressing. They're just a fun team to watch. Um, so, I do think, yes, the, when you have the Hawks' firepower – 
Um, they're a threat. And, I mean, Ben Simmons can't shoot free throws. Uh, you no. get in a close game and you're hack-a-shacking him. So let's go back to draft night 2016. I think it was or 18. The Atlanta Hawks originally da- draft Luca, trade him to Dallas for Trey Young and a future first rounder that turned into a currently injured Cam Reddish, who was averaging 11 when he got injured this year. Was that a trade, Raj, that was just a better fit for both teams to get great players? And is that an example of a trade that's worked out both ways? No. Okay. Luca is a legitimate bona fide superstar. Trey Young right now is good, but he's a he's a volume shooter. Cam Reddish is unproven. Um, yes, they needed a point guard. Yes, they needed somebody that was quick and could penetrate. But they had Jeff Teague for a long time, who was a pretty solid point guard for many years. Um, I don't think anybody obviously knew he was European that Luca would be that good. I mean, I sure as heck didn't. Um, Atlanta obviously didn't. You know, at the time, if you get Trey Young in a first-round pick, I think, yeah. I mean, it, it is – you know, let me back up. It is sort of a hindsight is twenty twenty. At the time, if you get that in a first-round pick, but it was for, what, number three overall, whatever <laughs> Luka was. Um, Luka was four and Trey Young was six. Yeah. I mean, to get that from six to four and to get another first round, that's – at the time, you know, we – I'll be honest, everyone thought they fleeced him, but obviously Dallas's scouting is better than Atlanta's because Luca is a legitimate, bona fide top three player in the league superstar. So, so you guys are older than me. Uh, who, who did Charlotte get for Kobe? Lottie Nibots. And, and uh, well, Kobe was selected at 13 by Charlotte. So they traded Vlade and their pick, which was later in the round. I can't remember what else, but Jerry West saw something in a 18-year-old kid from Lower Marion, Pennsylvania, Lower Marion High School that no one else saw. Yeah, so that that, that kind of like, – I, I, I guess the Hawks got a better deal than the Hornets did, but that's kind of what this reminds me of is the Mavs saw something that no one else did, and well the, the Hawks ended up getting Trey Young, who is good. Um, but yeah, Luca's he's the goods, man. Like, he's going to be – Franchise, not that Trey's not going to be, but Luca's uh, he's got MVP caliber seasons, and and he he's he's going to be all that in a bag of chips. Hey, Sacramento right now is going Portland Sam Bowie before Michael Jordan because they put Marvin Bagley at two, and Luca went third. Yeah, uh, who, uh, who, uh, who first went pick, first was DeAndre Ayton that year, which who he's been. Yeah, he's been we're going to talk about that series. He, you know he. Was a matchup no, I, problem. It shouldn't have I, been for the Lakers. He was. Sorry, go ahead. I like to pick in between. I think it was Jaron Jackson that went fifth between Trey Young and he went fourth. Look, yeah. yeah, in between them, you're right. So, and then uh, Mo Bamba, good old Sheck West. Yeah, that he went. Uh, he went after that. And after that, you're looking at that draft. Uh, Mikael Bridges, who is doing really well for Phoenix right now. Shy Gilgis Alexander from Kentucky. Uh, not really any names that stick out after that, but yeah, they got a superstar. They got a Hall of Famer. Let's put it, I mean, bluntly. So before we get off the NBA, of course, the, the MVP was announced today with Joe winning the MVP. Is there any argument that he was a clear MVP this year? 
Raj, go ahead. Uh, okay. Um, I mean, I'm fine with that. Uh, I think the NBA MVP is one of the oddest awards just because it's just, I mean, it's out of all of them, it's the most objective. I mean, you can go, I mean, LeBron could win the MVP every year. Um, you could go KD this year. Um, there, there's so I mean, I think speaking of Hawks, Nate McMillan got fifth in coach of the year. It's just so those riders are almost worse than baseball riders when it comes to Hall of Fame. Like, it's just such their agenda. Um, absolutely. So, I'm not sure the MV, what Jordan won two MVPs. Am I had that wrong? Two or three? I thought three, but don't hold me to it. No, but I mean, nonetheless, he. he at least he deserves six. Um, and then, so, yeah, I, I don't put much stock into that. It's just, it's a stupid Riders award and nothing more than that. The other thing too is, by the way, he was the highest drafted player or lowest drafted, depending on perspective, 41st overall ever to win the MVP. Um, they lost Jamal Murray early, which killed them. It, I mean, it hurts. You can't replace that guy. However, they have solid point guards on that team. I mean, Monte Morris has been good for multiple years. Uh, Will Barton, but he's been hurt. Uh, Austin Rivers came in and can play both guard positions. Then uh, they got the Italian dude, that Kimpazo. Jamal Murray took a lot of shots away from Jokic. And while they ran an amazing pick and roll, and Jokic is the best passing big man in the league, you know, he got the ball. I would think, I don't statistically have the numbers here to prove it more than he did. Um, he's always been an MVP caliber, caliber player. Uh, after the pandemic, he lost like, you know, he basically like threw up half of himself and yeah, he's half of himself. yeah. yeah he, I mean, when he was big and fat, it was very different. He lost like 60 pounds or something. Um, you, you know, I mean, no one's ever questioned his skill. He's, if not, he and Luca are probably the most skilled players, two of the most skilled in the league. I mean, I don't want to get in that debate. LeBron's obviously athletically a freak. Uh, Steph Curry is skilled as a shooter. But, I mean, these guys can do a lot of different things, and it's super impressive. Uh, I miss that Jokic. I, I liked him. I, I, he gave me hope every morning. Hey, how about an NBA Finals pick between uh, – I, I agree with you. <laughs> between the four teams – or the four series when we get an NBA Finals pick, we got uh, the Clippers and Utah – uh, by the way, Mike Conley is not playing tonight. Utah is the number one seed. Phoenix and Denver, uh, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, and Philadelphia and Atlanta. Well, your nuts pick is going to be the Nets in the East. So I'll go ahead and pick the Nets in the East. And I'll, then, I'll go with that too. <laughs> and out West, I don't know why. I just feel like – I just feel like – Utah is going to get on a roll. I don't know. And maybe it's just guts or me looking at them being a number one seed. So I'll go with the Nets in Utah. As of right now, yeah, I'm going uh, – I don't know why I want to do this, but I just do. Uh, I'm going Clippers like a dummy and uh, the Nets also. The, the Nets are rolling. It's – it's they're ridiculous right now, and Harden didn't even play, and they won by yes. thirty nine.
but when Durant's plus 27, uh, they shot 94 shots. They were 21 from 42 from three. Good grief. Uh, they were running them off the floor. Um, I agree the Nets. I think everyone thinks the Nets, and I'd be shocked if the Nets didn't win it all. Um, and Philadelphia, you, you know, one thing about Atlanta in that first game, they were uh, – they had a ton of turnovers, of course, led by Ben Simmons. But um, they were 20 of 47 from three. And that's going to help out. And they still only won by four, whereas uh, Philly only made 10 threes. Um, tonight you're seeing more of a return to normal. How Embiid is this effective is scary, considering he has a slightly torn meniscus. But Atlanta, then again, you know, not a great matchup in terms of against him. Um, I do think the Clippers will get past Utah. And I like Phoenix. Uh, I hate to say it, but, you know, it was a bad matchup for the Lakers. Aiton really outplayed everyone. I know Davis didn't play the last two games, and the Lakers were up 2-1. to one, But I think Phoenix would have lost. And they had the best point guard left, which is odd, because CP3 has been tossed around the league. No idea why. Uh, his assist-to-turnover ratio last night was 11-1. to one. Uh, Point guards win championships. Defense wins championships. Phoenix is doing both right now better than anyone else. When the Clippers want to play, like they did against Dallas in Game 7, they play defense. Uh, but no one else does. So that being said, it's the Nets, and I'd be shocked if they didn't win it. Like, apparently I'm seeing text now. Chain says Nets win it all. No way they don't. I yeah, agree. The fourth I'd, be member of the I'd be shocked. Who just announced he's underwhelmed with being on text, which is the greatest moment in 3R sport. <laughs> so, hey, we'll get him on once he – blows his draft picks on the first three rounds and we'll, we'll get him to report back, see how much he wants to be on TV then. Hey, real quick, tonight's Dodger Pirates game, Key Brian Hayes was hitting 360, hit a home run. He was called out because he missed first base. Oh, really? In his defense, young kid, in his defense, the ball hit the right field foul pole and he was watching it the whole time and he jumped over first base. The Dodgers threw back and tagged him. They went to review or tagged the base, and he got out. I don't know when the last time I've seen that is. Um, at least the kid's hitting 360, but, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that one. I, I guess I guess running the bases is something, but isn't that something that could shorten the game? Like, if you hit it out, just count the runs and let's go on with it. Uh, that's what we do. What? That's what we did in the adult league softball. Dude, yeah, well, that's because half of you guys can't run around the bases. The truck is yeah, the I was, best I was part, one of dude. those guys. And that's what I'm saying. The bat flip, the trot. I mean, that's that's icing on the cake, bro. You can't take that away from major league players. It's hard enough to hit in the major leagues, let alone against guys 60 feet away throwing 99 miles an hour. I was, wish the majors would adopt the pitch clock. It makes I love yeah. I love it in minor league baseball. No, that would be great. That that I approve of. So I want to get to the last subject of the night. And this is a breaking subject, and it's it's evidently broke hard today. I was watching the Fom show before we came on the air, and also I follow Dennis Dodd on Twitter. He is breaking the same story. Basically, outgoing Pac-10 or Pac-12 commissioner, uh, Roger's favorite guy. Here you go. Renaming the show. Three R's and a B. <laughs> 
How going? I don't know if I know this, but what we're about to talk about. What what is you'll it? like it, I, trust me, what I'm about to say. Outgoing Pac twelve commissioner Larry Scott, along with several members of other commissions, said that Larry Scott specifically said on June the seventeenth and eighteenth, during the commissioners meeting, he felt like the momentum was in the favor to increase the number of teams in the college football playoff. And the current model does not have them going to eight, but goes to having them go to 12. The thing would be if you were one of the traditional teams that would have made the playoffs, one through four, you receive a bye. Seeds five through 12 would then play around, play five versus 12, six versus 11 to follow that would then match up with the first four teams. The other option was a straight 18 playoffs. So this is two high-profiled riders plus one <laughs> saying that they think it's intimate to us to increase the college football playoffs. In the past, I think we as a group have been pretty – it works. Don't mess with it. Is this a move – because the model includes all five conferences getting in, six at-large bids, as I understand, and even a possibility of the Mountain West receiving an automatic bid. Is this a move to feel good in a world where Alabama and Clemson wins the championship every year? Is this a move for TV ratings? Or is this a move to make college football more competitive? Robbie? You have been a very daunt believer in the four playoffs. So what is your thought of this new breaking news? So first question is, does this eliminate the bowl games or the bowl games still around it? This could in they turn, still be my understanding will still be there, but it's still gonna have the same sponsorships. Yeah. Like the, the first round game will be at the Weed Eater Bowl, sponsored by Poulon or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. The bowls such as the Music City Bowls expansion could get involved in the playoffs. Before we go on, can I say real quick for Robbie's sake, the new Pac-12 commissioner is George Klyavkov. I can't, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. He was the president it, of sports and entertainment of MGM yeah. International. Yeah. He's on the board of the WNBA, Cirque du Soleil, and Bet MGM. He's a professional shaker. Shake things up, shake things down, shake people down. I think that's the route he's going. Got to start at it. A talking point, and he's obviously a public figure now. Tennis Larry was just a waste of space. Uh, but sorry, Rob, go ahead now. That well, no, Rod, Vegas Rod, background. Well, no, Rod, you, 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 you knew. Well, let me let me take some time to think about it and hear what you have to say. So I want to leave. I want to read a line from the article Dennis Dobb just wrote from CBS Sports. Two industry sources, depending on the size of the field and the expanded playoff said it could be worth two or perhaps three times more than the current $7.2 billion ESPN plays for the college football playoffs. The annual payout on the current deal is $475 million. However, a typical media right deal's payout is backloaded and increases in the final year. A significant discussion is less about access but, but more enhancing the value of the regular season. A sort of a playoff fatigue has formed around the stranglehold of Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma have put on the game. 
So I guess the point is you get increased revenue and it also brings new people into it. We've had five teams basically represent the playoffs pretty much the last five, six years. Uh, so it's really a move to. I'm 100% for it. Look at the NTA tournament in basketball. You never know when teams that don't normally face each other with different styles, different players, you know, different coaching, what can happen right now. You know, I don't, I'm just a skeptical person. You know, the, the fact that all four of those teams are in like, no offense, like pretty crummy areas where to the local PD favorite thing is to watch the football team. God knows what they get away with. Um, but it, it, you know, it's a self fulfilling or, or cycle, so to speak, that these, these four teams are dominating recruiting. Um, there's no way they're not doing the same things that other teams that have been busted. Uh, and yeah, it just comes down to the same four. And what's the fun in that? Um, you know, I, I think that the guy actually said, uh, Clay Alcoff, that I want to go on the record that the Pac-12 is in favor of both the expansion of the college football playoff from four teams and the implementation of consistent guidelines for name, image, and likeness, which I agree with. We both we think both CFP expansion and NIL legislation are good for college sports fans, good for student athletes, and can be a significant competitive advantage for the Pac-12. I mean, he's calling it out right there. You know, he's not trying to fool anybody. And and I absolutely agree with him because, you know, as of right now, we've devalued the bowl games. We've devalued conference play. Non-conference seems more important than anything else. Why not limit conference play to a certain amount of games and, and get you know 16 teams and who knows who knows what the Boise State and Oklahoma who knows when Alabama who thinks they're going to have a walk into the finals plays you know a good uh Pac-12 team <laughs> sorry so that's an oxymoron, let, let me but you get what I mean we, we are not up to take call orders tonight normally we can we didn't realize how much this would cause an involvement. Uh, Chain is saying eight teams. Uh, next week, if you want to call in, Trending Rabbit, we'll have the phone set up. Chain uh, is saying eight teams, but the Dodd article even mentions a plan that has as many as 24 teams in the playoffs. Where's the limit that you're comfortable with, Robbie? Okay, so – I'll, I'll tell you that, and let me go back to the original question. And so yes. these are my original – just a quick thoughts about this. Um, so they're talking about three more games. So they're talking about 15 to 16 games in a season. I think I think they're also talking about elimination. Yeah, they get rid of some Conference games. tournaments. Conference yeah. Yeah. They're like, not going to be the NFL. Yes. So, well, no, but 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 the NFL is the key point. It's June the eighth. We start off our show talking about the NFL because the NFL is the king. And if college football gets cocky and starts stepping on people's toes, the NFL can lift that three-year window from high school, they can lift that rule and all of a sudden college football talent is is gone because they're going straight to the pros. 
that's an NFL rule. It's not a college rule. And so all of a sudden you have the second the SEC now the second tier league. I mean, everything's second tier. So because NFL values those Saturday, Sunday playoff football matchups, the more you encroach on them while, every, while we are football, college football crazy, the majority of the country is not. So I would be very careful. It can be worth a lot of money as long as the NFL stays put. If the NFL says, no, 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 we're, we're coming for this money too, then they can grab it and they'll take it. What if the uh, NFL has always respected college football, right? They've stayed off of Saturdays well, until it, after the season. Been, They're well aware a, that that's sort of a feeder, uh, literally, figuratively, marketing-wise, uh, physically. You know, I don't think they would. But I, your point is valid. That but but it, but if them it, off it, and take it, away from college, them, if college insane. intrudes too much into the NFL season, if it goes into the playoffs. I want to see more of how this is going to be scheduled out, how it's going to be mapped out, the name, image, and likenesses. Like, are are college kids going to get paid? How much are going to get paid? Or is this a spring league that's going to shape up? I think you're if you keep making people pay play more games for free, or for just on like like yeah, quarterback can make money, but an offensive lineman maybe not can be able to. So, yeah, I'm a. I would I, I would love an 18 playoff when we get more parity in the teams. Maybe this name, image, and likeness helps that. And then you have you because you're going to have agents in LA that are going to know how to market people. That's what they do. You're going to have maybe the New York School Northeast, Penn State, Ohio. Maybe I mean they're going to be better. So maybe that evens the playing field. But right now, there's no need in watching. Uh, three more games of, and I love college football, but I would be very worried about stepping on the NFL's toes. MB, the you know the NBA respected college basketball until they didn't, and then they lifted until they said nope. Uh, it's just one and done now, you know. So thanks to the I'm, NCAA, I'm going to throw yeah. out a model that adds college football to no more weekends than it already exists that starts the playoffs at Thanksgiving, finishes them up in traditional time, moves the regular season back to 11 games, and eliminates college football conference championship games. So the SEC would get both East and West in. The ACC would get both Mountain and Coastal in. I think the movement, Robbie, is to still finish the college football. From what I heard in the debate today, yeah, and this, this is brand new to me, so I don't. I, this, it's I, still I don't. to finish college football in the same window. The NFL has traditionally started two weeks before college football. Uh, you also remember, if you look at the the sixteen game schedule or the sixteen team team tournament that the FBS plays or the FCS plays traditional, their championship games are the week 14, 15 of the NFL season. I think your point is very valid that if the NCAA does this, they have to go to the NCAA or the NFL yeah. and say, how are we going to schedule this around? Now there's not going to be a blank bowl on this weekend, December the 23rd, but what we will have, is four semifinals, 
to me, Christmas Day is the screaming football open window that the NBA kind of owns that holiday. What if you're playing your semifinal game on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and your finals the week after during New Year's Day? And that's what it was thrown out to me. But I think you're right. I do think the NCAA has to be weary of the NFL and schedule to them. Well, well they're playing Christmas NCAA. Eve already. Yeah, well, the, the, NF, the, NF, the NFL – is adding another regular season game. They are they're expand they want to expand this ball. To to think the NFL is happy with their sports count they would monopolize the whole like they're going for like they, if they could play year round and put every sports league out of business they would. They're they're the most ruthless like we 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 will dominate everything. That's my problem with the NCAA and this expanded playoffs. You got to make sure it's thought out. Don't expand for the sake of expanding, and don't put. Um, you said the Mountain West and six at large. I mean, they'll be playing. But I mean, is there is there a market for <coughs> watching? I don't know. Uh, what what? Let me throw it this way. Who the hell you, BYU versus Georgia in opening round. What it? Look, what it drew ratings? No. Sure. I, I mean, it, 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 it was it would draw ratings. Everybody in Provo and everybody in Georgia would be enough to, and Utah and Georgia would be enough. Well, I'd I mean, it. it's an I interesting matchup. The, I, was, I was at the Hawaii UGA Sugar Bowl. It was just a bloodbath. Like at that point, know, though, Georgia's got not much to play for. I mean, they're not they're let down at the national championship. No, no, Georgia's beat. Be, I mean, no, I know, but before yeah. if this is before. You know that sort of preeminent game, meaning that like it's before the last game where Georgia hasn't suffered a letdown yet. They'll be they'll be sold out there, and everybody will be watching it. Opening round series, and, and again, it seems like non conference has become more valuable than conference in many respects. And outside of the SEC, I don't know what the sellout percentage rate is, but I know it's low in the Pac-12 when Arizona comes to town. Uh, yeah. I'd rather be at the beach. Actually, I'd rather go to the game, but. I'm in the minority and, you know, freaking Iowa state, unless Oklahoma's in town, you wonder, or Iowa, you know, why go watch them play Minnesota, you know, uh, guys, I I randomly pulled up the 20. I don't know. It was the first one I fall found. So let's take team 12 was coastal Carolina would have opened up with Texas A&M. I think this last season, though, is a horrible. Uh, if you go back two years ago, I think this is better sample size. Ago. Yes, Let's please. Go back to 19. I got them all here. So, so, so this is the problem with the NCAA. They're not thinking outside the box. What they're thinking is, oh, the NCAA basketball tournament is fantastic because you have a bunch of upsets and you have a bunch of Cinderellas. Well, that's possible when you have – 21-year-olds playing as 18-year-olds, and you have teams that have been together, and you have a one-game basketball tournament. Some team can get hot. You can shoot a lot of threes. Football's not like that. It's weeks to repair, and it's coaching, and it's talent. And, yes, there'll be maybe an upset once every – I mean, what's the biggest – so playoffs have been around, what, eight years now? What's the biggest upset we've had? 
I don't uh, think they've been an upset, and I think that's what they're looking for to play devil's advocate. Boise State, no, Oklahoma, was that in the no, playoff? No, that was that was that was, that was the Fiesta Bowl, huh? Yeah, that was a the playoff, but 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 you can't yeah. go look. You 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 you're are you the 49ers on the in the gold hunt? Like you can't go manufacturing entertainment if it's not there. So 2019, let's pull it up. Would have opened up with Alabama versus Georgia, 12 versus five meeting. The six versus Wait, 11. 2019? What I pulled up, yeah. Yeah, Alabama wasn't number one at that time. No, that's the year LSU Remember, that's the year they didn't win the, oh. the conference, right? Okay. Yeah. So, Georgia versus Alabama. Georgia's the higher seed. Alabama's the 12th seed. Uh, can't only two from a conference get in? Nope. There's no limit to it on this. Up. And we're making our rules right now. Keep going, Randall. Utah, Oregon. 6-11. Still a good game. Baylor, Penn State, 7-10. Wisconsin, Florida, 8-9. Heck yeah, I'm watching all those. LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oklahoma receives a bye. Well, no, you have to have six at large. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just grabbed the college football rankings. Right, but, but if, you, if, you put, if you put the six at large, put those matchups in. Because well, that would be like Western Michigan versus. I think there's only one. Who says you have to have six at large? I think there's that's only what one I meant to say. Five conference championships, six at large. Matt and Wes gets an auto bid. Yeah, I think the six at large will only include one of the non-power five. The six at large will come from the power five, and one non-power five. Uh, well, yeah, th- uh, yeah, that just convolutes. I mean, it's just more conference games. At LSU, I think. I think you would also see conferences move back to probably a seven-game season, three, four out-of-conference games. So, I'm going to tell you the model I prefer over this. I prefer the model that's already been proven, which the 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 one double A model where. You let 16 teams in, but one at one through eight get a home game. Then you start your playoffs. So 16 plays one. Or if you're going to do something, let the let the two by let Central Florida play Army, and the winner gets in. I, I just I don't see five SEC teams making the playoffs every year, and that's what it's going to come down to. Yeah, yeah personally. Real quick, I think we overvalue non-conference games this day and age because we really don't know what conference does what, where, and why when you're playing within. Why not get rid of non-conference, start the season like we did this past year against your conference, and then have an expanded playoff so you can see, you know, especially if it's deeper, then you can play one or two or three non-conference games just like before. Uh, It's just now they mean something. And I understand that, you know, the – whatever directional Michigan schools of the world aren't going to get paid as much and Appalachian state, et cetera. But I think they can figure something out, get rid of the non-conference, start with conference, expand the playoff, or at least the round Robin, a tournament, maybe something like baseball with regionals and super regionals. Um, you know, something can be done. Cause right now it doesn't work. I think that's obvious. Robbie, you get last word since we brought this one up and didn't talk about it beforehand. I loved your point about 
the NFL season. I, I really hadn't thought about that. I'm, I don't know where I stand on this. I don't know if I'm pro expansion, but it seems like some powerful people now have made up their mind to expand it that in the college football world. And it's all, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just, I mean, honestly, I think it would be better. But, Cause I mean, the people that get hurt with this college football expansion, and especially if you're doing bowl games are the fans. Cause you can't travel. You got to pick and you can't travel unless, unless you have Raj money, you can't travel to every single game or you, or have, to pick, you have to pick and choose. SEC uh, fans don't usually have to save for college. They travel to every friggin' game there is, just like Raider fan. Uh, uh, SEC games are sold out every time, and it's the same amount of Alabama yeah. fans at every game. If people want to go, they're going to go. They're going to budget accordingly. They're going to eat, you know, ham and fried bologna sandwiches. And, I mean, football is an issue of priority, and I don't yeah. think that's a viable argument personally. I think if you're, I think, I think if you're going to expand the playoffs, you almost just copy the NFL model, and there's you divide it into two 16-team regions, division it up, and you just realign everything, and you divide the TV money, and you just play on Saturdays. So if it's say in uh, where we live, if it's Tennessee, Georgia. South Carolina and Clemson, and then you have uh, Miami, Florida State, Florida, maybe Auburn, and you put these teams and like you play home and home from there. Then you advance, and then you know if it's, if it's Alabama, LSU, Missouri, Arkansas, I'm this I'm fl- free flying with my I'm geography. All four of us getting away from Alabama. Just- I, like yeah, but conce- I like what you're saying conceptually, but. There are 32 teams in the NFL. There are 130 teams in college football. Well, but, but I understand yeah. what you're saying, and and it does make sense. But but I mean I mean the, the Akron's and the I mean sorry it's, eh. if if you're going for TV money, then put the best 32 team. I mean, well then it's kind of like the way it is now. There'll never be another 32 teams like any other team to make it in. It'll just be the same. Um, I mean, imitation is the biggest form of flattery. The NFL's got it down. Copy it and and do it in college football style, and just make it more pageantry, and play it at a different day, same time of the year, and and print your money. Is the Mountain West the sixth best conference? Clearly, <laughs> uh, no. I'd say the one with Cincinnati and Memphis. Uh, is that Conference USA? Yeah. Is that the AAAC or is that Conference USA? That may no, be it's a, American that may 10. Be the AAC now. <laughs> Conference yeah. USA is like MTSU. You're right. Yeah, I think it's AAC or AAAC or something like that. Yeah, they're legit because the they get all Ohio State leftovers. The yeah, Memphis is good. And, uh, Cincinnati's legit, man. I'm is it, is, not is just wearing Tiffany this because I'm a big fan of the team. Uh, what's his name is? Yeah, you said uh, who is it? That Fickle isn't Luke Fickle the coach there from Ohio State? Yes, yes. it's now. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, not, is the Mountain ahead. West included trying to make the bids more equal? I mean, it that, varies by season. There's been times where the Mountain West, you know, has had legitimate. You know, Boise State's been right there. San Diego State's been solid. 
that's probably it. But you never know. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily. It, it's all cyclical. You would think UNLV would have potential. How how hard could it be to recruit uh, at least a JUCO player to Vegas? Hey, Vegas knows where money is, and it's not on UNLV football. They're still playing St. Boyd <laughs> Stadium, which is a dump. Um, so, yeah, well, plus, do you want 18-year-olds and 21-year-olds walking around Vegas? I don't want that. It's uh, Wyoming, Colorado State, Air Force, New Mexico, UNLV, Boise, Nevada, San Jose State, Fresno State, San Diego State, and Hawaii. No, the, the Memphis-Cincinnati – group is much better. better. And I don't want to make excuses, but there's certainly less of an emphasis on football in those mountain regions uh, than there is in Ohio. Uh, again, not making excuses. I'm just saying, because for many years, the Mountain West was much better than every team in the AAC. The AAC, uh, Cincinnati, uh, Tulane, uh, Northern Illinois, South Florida, Central Florida, Wichita State, which I don't think feels a football team anymore. Houston, Memphis, Tulsa, SMU, East Carolina. Yeah, that's Northern Illinois is in that conference. Uh, I'm assuming that's Northern. It's a Husky, so I'm going with Northern Illinois for right now. Yeah, I was assuming so. Oh, uh, again. Wait, wait, no. The Houston Cougars are. It should be Cincinnati, Tulsa, Memphis, UCF. SMU, Houston, yeah. Navy, Tulane, East Carolina, Temple, and South Florida. Oh, that's a solid. You're missing, you're missing whoever that is. I said Cincinnati, I think. T- no, Cincinnati. Oh, that's basketball. That's UConn. I, I think that's basketball. Yeah, that could UConn be. That football, could be. I don't think UConn is should, in that. U- UConn should be in it then. They play football. Oh, they just dropped football to division. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Roz, uh, Roz, you're getting fact-checked in real time. Apparently, UNLV plays in uh, Allegiant Stadium now. So, Well, they, they haven't actually had a game there, have they? Now that, the Raiders not, have, or they did last year, possibly. Yeah. But they were in Sam Boyd for like 50 years. Yeah. You can fact-check that, too. Maybe not 50, but they have not played <laughs> a game in front of fans in Allegiant Stadium. Not that it matters because there will still be the same amount of fans, which is roughly zero. So we've all ran over it. Tonight's been fun. We had a last-minute topic. So we've got to get to it, though, boys. Uh, I hate to announce that Randall's 9-1, but Randall's 9-1. Damn. Raj is 8-2. Robbie's 6-4-1 and NC. Uh, because he he called was, a race car driver out of, like, yeah, I out think, of 50, dude. I that's think that crazy. would be, like, some, some big props. I think that – Let's just bump him to seven and four and give him two <laughs> victories for that one. He needs asterisks. I mean, let's be yeah, honest. Every time uh, Robbie needs it. Because he missed a week because his wife said no, and that was understandable. And while we're talking oh. about it, can you still donate to that, Robbie? Can you plug that? Um, yeah, she she was asking about that. Um, I'll figure out how. I'll send it to you if, or, or we'll tweet it or Facebook it on River City Media, and uh, try to get out there. Yes, my wife's doing Dare to Dance. It is raising money for the Kidney Foundation here in Chattanooga, um, specifically for for local people here in Chattanooga. So um, it really helps us out uh, here in town in Tennessee. So if you have $5, $10, $100, if 
your bread and chain have like five thousand dollars then uh please feel free to donate all that um but yeah we would appreciate it all it all goes to a good cause we'll try to get that link out to you guys um, oh, I, I got it i'll have it posted on the river city link here in a minute dare to dance a uh allison's dare to dance fundraiser for the kidney foundation of greater chattanooga area uh, and I do believe right now, and I don't know if they're all gone, but she was promoting August the 28th at uh, the Walden Club, the Big Hair event. Yeah. o'clock to 10 o'clock also that was benefiting the same charity. Correct, Robbie? Yes. Yes. It, 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 so that you can donate to these little small events that go to the Kidney Foundation. Um, hopefully, we'll, I'll be having a poker night. Where, oh, never mind. I'm not supposed to say that. Strike that. I'm in. Reporter. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll put up these links both and tell her if there's anything else that she wants me to post, send it to me and we'll we'll post it. But she had her yeah. photo shoot today. It was pretty intense. Really nice. Yeah. Robbie buried up in life. Let's just admit it. So hey, for now, she's dancing with Maximoff. Culture. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably knows, yesterday. Man. I'll be out this time next year. I'll be yesterday's news. You'll be a famous sports. Uh, you'll have, we'll be on bar stool. Now, before we get to the bets or nuts, and I, I can't release it yet, but there are some things happening behind the scenes with River City Media, and there is stuff afoot. So, our folks, all 40,000 of you will break 40,000 in 28 days, probably today. Stay with us. Uh, we've probably got a major announcement coming this fall. Uh, and, and and Robbie and Rog will be coming with me wherever I go. So uh, we, we're just going to probably have a better outlet here coming early in 22 to get it out. Other than we'll still have the Facebook Live and the YouTube and stuff. But we're definitely going to have some alternative ways to get it out. So stay with us. Now, let's get... To the bet your nuts. I will go first. At negative 195, I am going to put my nuts on the New Jersey Nets to win the Eastern Conference. That is a long-term bet, so I'll have to ride it a few weeks. But the New Jersey Nets. Where are you getting those odds? I, I just Googled them from my website. Where, what are they on? Mm. DraftKings. Well, plus it's the Brooklyn Nets, so. Uh, well, yeah. I'm, still, I'm old. I'm old. Um, let's see. What do you got it at? Mine's tonight, actually. Oh, sorry, I'm not sure what he's looking at. Most of mine. Yeah, he's, on my looking phone. Win, he's looking to win the East. No, I know. I, I'm talking about my bet, my Nets prediction. It's actually, um, and half of it already came through. I'll go before Rob the, the Robbie the uh, the Greek closes um i teased philly and the clippers uh philly was minus six it was a four point tease this was on uh my bookie i think and they give you a lot of points the odds aren't great but i think it's a lock uh philly and the clippers and the clippers i think are now even or a pick i think there were four i gotta check on the only way i can check is on my phone uh but you know i think the clippers are gonna win outright no matter what and uh, Philly already won by 20, and uh, there were six-point favorites, teased them down to two, and they did all right. So uh, Clippers and uh, 
Philly tonight. I also like the Braves, but Shane Green gave up uh, two runs. It's now five to four. The Braves were plus one and a half. Uh, but right now, Philly's got first and third with two outs, bottom of seven. And then I had the Dodger money line along with that, which uh, the Dodgers already won. So it's up to the Braves bullpen, which is Sean Newcomb right now. So goodbye to that bet. So my odds came from MGM International, negative 195 East right. Conference. So wait, yeah. Raj, what was your, did you already lose your bet? Wait, what was your bets? In, what was your pick, actually? So the actual one's the Clippers tonight and a pick, because I teased it down. And then Philly minus two, which was part of the, it. was a four-point tease. The other okay. one I was debating, which I did bet on, was the Braves plus one and a half in a parlay and uh, the Dodger money line. Right now, the Braves actually got out of the inning, so they're down five to four. So technically, I'm currently winning, but of course, we'll see. You'll you'll have to text me, Rob, and tell me if he wins. What about you, Rob? Um, so no, not well. There's a NASCAR All Star race this weekend. Um, so stay away from that after my hot NASCAR streak. So. Uh, this line looks too good to be true, but I just can't. I can't turn away. Uh, I'm going on Thursday, 7:40 p.m. Give me the Nets plus three and a half. I know yeah. they're on the road. I saw but that. Good God, they're just they're just better, and they're they seem to be on a war path and. I like Ke- Kevin Durant's getting pissed at reporters for no reason for asking legitimate questions and just he's being petty and he's showing he, he he's the most unstoppable basketball player in the league right now. What a weird line. It's kind of like, oh, they're going to be at home. So, or we want a series NBA. Yeah. Hard, Harden may be back. Maybe they'll be figuring things out, but Durant is the best player in the league. If you ask me. And, the plus three and a half, and it's only minus one hundred and nine. Yeah, actually, I'm betting it right now. Like I did, like that was my. I already took it. I, I've already bet the Nets to win the Eastern Conference, so yeah. I'm locked in. But I saw I them at three bet, and a half too. That's going to change quickly. Yeah. I also bet. Uh, on a side note, this week I put money on both Jamar Chase and Najee Harris to win Rookie of the Year. So, pretty long odds, I thought, for what I. Perceive one of the two will win it. So, I'm betting on Luca. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, my best place. You can I'm do it all. Really, uh, my my final words is going to be about the NCAA playoffs. I love college football. I already feel like it's been changed by nature, but. The word that really stayed with me is I've lost interest. And I'm not I'm gonna admit I've lost interest in the playoffs. I have watched the championship game both of the last years, but I have not watched the semifinals because it seems to be a replay of what the year before was. Uh, so if the goal is to make it more interesting for, for the average fan. I also think they're going to have to figure out a way to make it more competitive. And I don't know if that's scholarship limits. I don't know what it is. They've already down to 85. 
men's baseball cannot get 11 scholarships. So whatever, whatever changes we make in college football, what made it great was the bowl system. And I think destroying the bowl system is not the way to go either. So my, my words tread lightly in CAA. Robbie. That's a great segue. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You can't have tradition and have change at the same time. So what you can't you this whole waiting a month to have a playoff doesn't work. So if you're going to expand, you got to keep the momentum rolling and you've got to keep people's interest. Because fantasy football in the NFL has changed the narrative. Not only – like, I'm a Titans fan. I want the Titans f- to win, number one. Then I want my fantasy team to win, number two. So I am a Titans fan and a fan of 16 different players. And that piques my interest. And to have a December 3rd to January 3rd break when the NFL is heating up – it's suicide, and that's what the ratings are tanking. They're not tanking, but they're declining, and they're trying to figure it out. If you want to expand, keep it going. Yep. Tradition, it was done. It's done for when you went for the money, and that's okay. Go for the money. That's fine, but don't try to tell me it's about tradition. Don't lie to me. Just go for it. Go for the money. Regional, let's do this. If we're going for it, all in, go for the money. Yep. A good point. Good point. And it would be nice to see some element, I think, of regional opening rounds of playoffs. Yeah. I mean, something. Rog, you were the MVP last week uh, of the Bet the Nuts last week when you pulled off the unbelievable loss because I think you were the reason the Braves won the series. So I'm just going (laughs) to throw that out there. Thank you. I won something. What's your final words tonight? Uh, just final words on the bowl system and whatnot. I mean, nobody watches the Cheetos Bowl because it's the Cheetos Bowl. It's about the team. Some of them have time and some don't. Otherwise, it's the same X amount of New Year's Day bowls, the same big four, and they just attach them to, you know, some as some sort of sponsorship to a big semifinal or final game. Um, I think tradition's already been altered. I don't think it means as much. And I think that's the way of the future. Uh, as a traditionalist, it is what it is, but I also know change is inevitable and we have to accept it. So I say, uh, you know, nobody, you can still attach sponsorships and call any of those rounds of games a bowl, you know, one through 16. I think there's like 40 bowl games and it's so saturated now that, you know, teams of losing records get in. I mean, nobody watches that. So I would say expand. Don't worry about tradition. Don't worry about the bowls. Because really, aside from the Rose Bowl, I don't think, and maybe the Cotton Bowl 30 years ago and the Sugar Bowl in the South, I don't think anybody cares. Tradition used to be, probably before y'all remember, and I know you as a West Coast guy, I miss Pac-10, Big Ten, oh, yeah. Rose Bowl. I've been there many. It was awesome. The SEC champion went to the Sugar Bowl. The ACC champion and the Big 12 champion went to 
the Orange Bowl. I, I miss that. So if you're going to get away with it, you're going to get away completely for it. You're going to have to create a new standard. And that's what I agree with, too. Go ahead. Can I make one more quick point just about how all this intertwines together? Yes. So, and you have to understand, the college, and I don't think many people understand this, the college bowl system and the college football playoff is privatized. The college basketball tournament is owned by the NCAA. Very true. Having the bowl games all through December and January kill the college basketball season. So it's entities fighting against themselves. If you eliminated the bowl games and shift, did the playoff, then shifted to college basketball and started showcasing that before the NBA gained some steam, you could really help drive the momentum more towards the tournament. And so it's just the NCAA is such a mess about how they don't communicate. They're not on the same team. It's just it's a disastrously ran organization. Is it? And I don't want to reopen the show. I, but I honestly feel like the NCAA tournament is the best sporting event in sports. And the NCAA football playoff is the worst sporting event in sports. And that's that's fair. Agree. So, well, guys, we'll be back next week. Uh, we went over tonight. We usually, we've been very good about not going over, but we unpacked a lot tonight. So, look for uh, Allison Davis's information for dare to dance on the uh the uh almost called my website music city sports but river city sports or river city media uh and third time's a charm it's yeah, past radnell's bedtime he I, needs his milk I'm, more I'm milk old. I, I won't even make it off the air so i mean i'm already taking my pants off you just can't see down there so <laughs> night everybody <laughs>